Chapter 29. Broomstick, Daddy calls out nice and loud from the top of the front stoop of the house. I've been calling you. Hurry up inside. I don't hurry up. I take my time watching everything on the block because all the cars that used to be parked along the sidewalks are gone now. Instead, two raggedy old cars, including Daddy's brown Buick, blocked off each end of the block. A big table is set up in front of one of the broken and abandoned buildings. A red and white checker tablecloth covers the top as if this block party is going to be like a church picnic. On top of the tablecloth are plastic plates and cups and paper napkins. A shirtless man sits on the edge of the sidewalk with a white plastic bucket between his legs. He's breaking apart a huge block of ice with an ice pick as sweat runs down his forehead. I hope none of it makes it into that bucket of ice. The little kids run up and down the street as if they've never seen a wide, empty road before. Down in Huntsville, that's all we see. And we can run as far as the setting sun. Here, they're only running from one end of the block to the other like hamsters on a wheel. There's a line of people in front of Daddy's auto shop. Some look like local Lester's cousins with dirty clothes and missing teeth. And the others look like Daddy's friends with the same mustaches and everything. There's even a small group of ladies who stare at me as I walk up to the shop. I need to get into the junkyard. I need to find Pablo Jupiter and ask him what he knows about the Genesis device. And maybe, just maybe, I can tell him about the Uhuru and the Sonic King and Captain Fleet, who's been held captive by the Sonic Boom. Ebony Grace, I'm calling you. Now come on in here. Daddy's voice makes me jump, and I quickly start walking up to the house, but not before I hear all the whispered gibberish from the grown-ups on the line. I hear she's from Alabama. I thought they train him better than that down there. Mm-hmm. She's as sassy as they come. Her father needs to spank her one time to set her straight. You see, her hair ain't even combed. Got her wearing boys' clothes. He need a woman up in that house. Hmm. Richard got enough woman coming in and out of that house for the both of them. I turn around to face the line of grown-ups with my hands on my hips, and I blurt out, Y'all need to mind your own beeswax. I don't even wait to see their screwed-up faces as I turn back around and walk up the steps to Daddy. Ebony Grace, have you lost your mind? Go on back there and apologize, Daddy says with his laser beam eyes glaring down at me. Daddy, they said you need to spank me one time. Where do you keep the switch? I say glaring back at him. Girl, if you don't get your scrawny little butt up in here. I rush past him and into the house with my belly growling. I didn't even have cereal for breakfast and I'm hoping Daddy is calling me back home for for some lunch. He only steps inside for a minute to say, you've got a phone call. Told him to call back in five. Stand by the phone. I gasped long and deep, thinking for a minute that Granddaddy called, but I couldn't be that lucky. I shuffled to the kitchen, thinking of what fib I was going to put together for Mama. Oh, and Ebony, Daddy says before he closes the door, don't try to call your grandfather back. It'll cost an arm and a leg to call the Space Center collect. My eyes are wide, and my smile stretches from here to Mars. I hold my breath, and I count down from 20. The phone doesn't ring, so I start all over again. By the third set of 20, and right when I get down to 8, the phone finally rings. Granddaddy! Starfleet! Granddaddy, did you see how Spock came back to life? It was the Genesis device. You think you could work up here in Harlem? You should see it. Daddy, everything's so broken. Granddaddy, everything's so broken. Even the kids are broken. They do this break bones dance. Remember when you were trying to show me, Granddaddy? Oh, and I'm supposed to be Cadet E. Gray Starfleet. At your service, Captain Fleet. Granddaddy chuckles. You ain't skipping a beat, huh? Thought you'd move on from all that Uhura stuff I'd be in in those Harlem streets. 
Well, last I heard you were under the sonic king's control. He laughs hard this time. Under the sonic king's control. I guess you could say that. And this is the one phone call I'm allowed to get. See, I didn't even call your mama. I called you to see how you're doing up there. So tell me what happens, Granddaddy. How does Captain Fleet get from under the control of the Sonic King? It ain't up to you right now, Starfleet. Tell me, is your daddy feeding you all right? Getting some good greens into those little narrow bones of yours? He can't just be feeding you cornflakes. Tell him you want some biscuits, grits, and bacon. Your mama should come up there. Granddaddy, I don't want to hear about no food, I almost yell. These girls, right, I call them the nefarious mignonettes because they're all working under the orders of King Sirius Julius over here in No Joke City. No Joke City, he says, and then chuckles. Uh-huh, because ain't nothing funny about No Joke City. That's what you'd say, Granddaddy, right? Anyway, these girls, they call me Ice Cream Sandwich, and they go by different ice cream flavors. My sometimes friend, Bianca. Ebony, Granddaddy says, are you making friends? I hope you're not doing what you do down here, pushing all those kids away by talking about spaceships and aliens all day. That's between me and you, Starfleet. Not everybody gonna understand our little space adventures. Little space adventures? We're saving the galaxy, Captain Fleet. Anyway, this boy, Pablo Jones, you, th- you think the Genesis device will work here? You should see all these broken buildings, Daddy. I say, Granddaddy, I say, almost running out of breath. I've got to tell him everything before it's time to go. But the words are coming too fast, and my mouth is moving too slow. I wish I could borrow Diane's speedy mouth. Starfleet, all right now. If you want to go there with all this Genesis device stuff, just remember the Prime Directive. The Prime Directive? That's right, the Prime Directive. You can't be messing up with what people already got going on. You got to leave it the way it is. Respect it. Get to know what it's all about. That's the Prime Directive. But Granddaddy, the Prime Directive has nothing to do with the people. It's for aliens. I pause, and he's quiet. Then I say, Oh, we can't interfere with alien cultures on other planets. No Joke City is a whole other planet, and as strange and broke as it is, it can't change, right? Granddaddy laughs so hard, and he starts coughing. You okay, Granddaddy? Ebony, Harlem's been a little broken ever since I was a boy. Back when there was no Genesis device or Prime Directive or even a TV set up for me to watch Star Trek. Nobody was going on spaceships back then, Starfleet, but we all had an imagination location. That's what I want you to keep tapping into, Ebony. You might change locations, but don't ever lose your imagination. And that don't mean you go around talking about spaceships and aliens all day. Imagination locations are not all about outer space. Your own daddy's got an imagination location with all that boom, boom, bit music going on up there. Ain't nobody got time for outer space in Harlem, Starfleet. And I sure wasn't thinking about it when I was a little boy. But what about Sputnik? One, granddaddy. And that was when you were a teenager. The Russians sent that satellite up in space. It had nothing to do with a Negro boy like me up in Harlem. But you wanted to be an astronaut. No, I didn't. I wanted to build cars, Ebony. I learned how to fix them first, and I became real good at it. I wasn't thinking about no outer space till I got to Marshall, baby. All this planning and math and engineering work that went into rockets... Well, it wasn't something I saw on TV, and just because we were a few Negroes working down here at the Space Center, black folks thought we were going to make it to the moon. No siree, we were just the nuts and bolts guys, not the ones that were sending into orbit. And they let us know that as soon as we walked in. No astronaut pipe dreams for us. And I didn't even think that a black man could make it to the moon until Nichelle Nichols showed up on Star Trek as Uhura. 
He chuckles again. <laughs> Fine as she was. Boy, I sure wish that was me and not that playa Captain Kirk. Granddaddy. Oh, sorry, baby. Point is, my dreams of making it onto the spaceship were as real as Sun Ra's orchestra with all those outer space costumes and sounds. But Sun Ra wanted us to know how outer space sounds, feels, and even looks. But these are just stories, baby. Like Star Trek and comic books. Like the stuff my own Nana used to tell me when I was a little boy. Her Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Fox stories from Bama. We got some good times. Had some good times on the Uhura, but... You're in Harlem now. Got plenty of stuff happening up out there on those streets to keep your imagination location wide open. Don't go trying to change anything, okay? Remember the prime directive, Starfleet. I twirl my finger around the spiraling telephone cord over and over again. What about the cadet and her captain? And the evil Sonic King with the loudest, baddest, mind controllest sound in the entire galaxy in the mothership Uhura. They're still there, Ebony, right in your imagination location, and that's where they should stay. You tuck them in for a little while so you can do what you've got to do in this real world. You think I'd go around talking about the Uhura and the Sonic King at the Space Center? No, sir. Go on now. Next time I see you, I want you to teach me about breaking bones dance. I don't care if I lose my mind so long as I can shake my behind. He laughs and coughs and laughs and coughs some more. Cadet E grades to Captain Fleet. Do you copy? I say real quiet, remembering that the real Captain Fleet is unconscious under the Sonic King's radio tower. The real Captain Fleet wouldn't tell me to. Go on now. Copy, Cadet. Now I wired some money to your father, and he should get it today. I want to see you before the summer's out. Your mama was against it, but it's my money, and you're my only grandbaby. Tell Julius to get you a round-trip ticket to Huntsville. Stay the weekend, then go back to your daddy soon after. Your mama won't admit she wants to see you, too. She'd rather keep you away from me. Granddaddy coughs again. Anyway, I'll see you in a bit, Starfleet. Live long and prosper. Go on now. Granddaddy! There's a click and the sound of the dial tone, like the sound of a great block void, empty and forever. I hold the receiver to my ear until that other sound comes, the one like the robot duck. Then I hang up. I jump when I turn to see Daddy sitting in the kitchen table, eating from a paper plate. He licks his fingers before he says, You should run on out there and get a plate for Mrs. Fuller across the street. Ooh, she put her soul full, whole soul into this food. And I get an extra heap of potato salad for you, Daddy. I'm going back home. Granddaddy wired you some money. Says you can wire me back to Huntsville, too. I say as plain as ice-cold water. You're not getting wired to anywhere, he says, in between bites of his chicken leg. Mama don't want you down there just yet. Says she needs you to stay she's good and ready. Makes no sense for you to go down for just a weekend. Why not? My granddaddy said I could come, and it's his money I want in his house. Well, he ain't the one going to be looking out for you when you're down there. Your mama is, and if she ain't ready, then she ain't ready. I don't care how much money your grandfather sends. He says this like the mean king that he's supposed to be. I am as quiet as Bama skies, but only for a little bit. He my granddaddy. If he won't see me, Then he has the right to, I say just as quietly. Daddy finishes chewing his food, wipes his mouth with a napkin, leans back in his chair and glares at me with eyes I've never really seen before. And I'm your daddy. If I say you ain't going nowhere, then I have the right to. Something heavy sinks deep in my belly, not food. Nothing good, really. Maybe lost spacecraft swallowed by a black hole. Maybe the sun being swallowed by the horizon. It makes my soul dull. Nothing shines right away. 
I try to say something, but even my words are in my father's prison. But Daddy keeps on talking as if he didn't just put a padlock on a door and locked me in a cold, dark room by myself. Go on out there and get you a plate. Miss Fuller knows who you are. She's Diane, grandmother. There's some music, some kids, some food. You'll be fine. He finishes his meal, throws the paper plate and bones into the trash, washes his hands in the sink, and leaves the kitchen. It's not until then that I realize how hot it is. The heat presses down on me. I wipe the sweat off my forehead. This isn't like Bama heat. It's bigger, louder even. It's not like a warm, steady breath. It shouts, even in this small, dark, dusty kitchen. Maybe this Harlem heat is the sonic boom's hot breath, like exhaust fumes from rocket ships. Come on, broomstick, don't make me tell you again. Get on out. Reluctantly, I follow Daddy back to the brownstone. There's a white envelope sticking out of his back pocket. As he walks out the front door, the envelope rides up until it finally slips out without him noticing. He leaves out the front door without even looking back, so I rush over and pick it up. Inside is a slip that says Western Union. I've seen the commercials on TV. It's the fastest way to send money. I open the envelope wider and I see cash. Six $50 bills. I know it's the money Granddaddy sent for my airplane tickets to Huntsville. The airplane tickets that Daddy said he wasn't going to buy. I fold the envelope and I tuck it deep into my own jeans pocket and I make sure it doesn't crawl out the way it did from Daddy's pocket. By the time we're outside, I realize that Granddaddy was talking all that gibberish because of the sonic boom. It's taken over his mind. If I forget about the Uhura, then I'll forget about Captain Fleet, and he'll just be stuck there under Planet Boombox's radio tower forever. And I won't even be Cadet E. Gray Starfleet anymore, because there won't even be a Uhura or a Planet Boombox or a Sonic King. That whole universe beyond Andromeda will just explode in nothing. But then, I remember how in the movie, Spock became friends with Admiral Kirk again. Kirk went back to save his friend, and because of that, Spock started remembering. I'm coming for you, Captain Fleet! I yell out into the street with all the kids running around and multiplying like tribbles. Daddy snaps. Ebony Grace, you're going to have to stop that nonsense. You see all those kids out there? Go play with them. Leave your imaginary friend alone. I follow him. I need to go with you into the shop, I say. What for? I need to build a rocket ship and launch it into space. I need you to stay out here. Shop ain't no place for kids today, and you need to build yourself a crew instead. Go and make some friends. I look ahead at the entrance to the shop, where there's even a longer line now, and I see one of the minions running in. But what about Calvin and them? I know they're in the junkyard. All right, then. He says, turning to me and looking down. You want to get smart? The junkyard is no place for young ladies. Now, where's Bianca and her little double Dutch crew? Go play with them. I can't deal with this right now, broomstick. Got every Tom, Dick, and Harry up in here trying to sell what little they could find. It's the 4th of July. They got the day off, and everybody's trying to make rent this month. Gotta let them down easy. You don't want to be around for that. I glance at the line of people, some with bags packed with stuff. Others holding on to their arms, holding in their arms, old books, clothes, car parts. There's even a pair of boys I'd never seen before hauling a whole fireplace. Daddy, I want that fireplace, I say, as he starts to walk away, but he doesn't hear me. I wonder if it could actually hold a fire, even if it's not attached to a wall. I could lay it on his back, and I could use it as a launching pad. When I try to catch up to Daddy to make another request... For a toolbox and some broken radios, I spot the boy in a green shirt. It's Pablo Jupiter. 
He's standing at the edge of the sidewalk outside the shop, kicking a fire hydrant as if trying to make it spew out flying water. I walk over to him and I say with a big smile, doesn't that look like R2-D2? But then I remember that this is no joke city and that he's really a nefarious minion and that the doors to my imagination location are supposed to be closed. I wipe the smile from my face. But when he smiles with big white teeth and deep dimples, it doesn't look like R2-D2 except I'd call him F... Oh, it does look like R2-D2? Except I'd call him FT-125. I let my whole face smile, but I push down my soul shine because the doors to my imagination location are still a little bit closed. FT-125, that's out of sight. Mm Mm-hmm, FT for fire trooper and 125 for 125th Street. Even though I'm from the Bronx, I got to rap rhymes about Harlem now. In the Bronx, the fire troopers were like stormtroopers because of all the burning buildings. I swallow hard and I say, I don't call this Harlem or New York City. It's no joke city because there's nothing funny about this city, right? I'm real quiet as I stare at Pablo Jupiter, trying really hard not to smile. The afro on his head looks like the surface of the moon with its curls like craters. But it's his smile that makes his whole face shine. He's digging up a piece of broken concrete with the tip of his dirty sneaker. Yeah, I say even quieter. So you think the Genesis device can work here? He looks up at me, but we ain't all dead. I mean, things are still alive. Maybe the Bronx, but still the prime directive. We can't really mess with the stuff that's already here, right? He stops digging at the concrete and turns all the way to me, sticking the tips of his fingers into his jeans. Yeah, we can. It's our planet, right? We're not aliens. Yeah, you are. I'm not. What planet are you from then? Planet... I have to step into my imagination location now because I never thought about this question. Earth, planet Earth. This is planet Earth? No, I already told you. It's planet No Joke City. Okay, then. What are you doing on planet No Joke City? You're the alien. Yeah, well, I've been taken prisoner by King Sirius Julius and his nefarious minions, and you're one of them. A nefarious what? Minion. Nefarious minion. (laughs) He shakes his head. I'm not a nefarious minion. I'm one of the good guys. I'm a rebel, the rebel lord. So you're the leader of the rebellion? A step closer to him, eyes wide. He nods. I'm going to take down the king. King, what again? King Sirius Julius, like the bright star in the sky. But he's also very serious too. He looks around and he spots my daddy who's talking to the first person in line. A man holding out a cardboard box of spoons, forks, knives. I can't tell from here if they're like Nana's fancy silver or just the cheap stuff, as Mama would say. But he's a good king, Pablo Jupiter says. Look at all those people. He helps them out sometimes. I know he's helping Bianca's grandmother out by letting her stay there. I shrug and I say, I must go back to my home planet, but I have to save my captain first, Captain Fleet of the mothership Uhura. Will you help me? Hey, ice cream sandwich, someone yells, and it echoes all through that block and maybe even Harlem, too. I look up, and of course it's mint chip, mint chocolate chip Monique's gigantic mouth. Is that what you go by? Pablo Jupiter asks. Ebony Grace Norfleet Freeman, but really I'm Cadet E. Grace Starfleet from the mothership of Hoora, I say, holding out my hand to shake his. Pleased to make your acquaintance. Uh-uh, you can't be making deals with the enemy, outer space Ebony Grace, Rum Raisin Rhonda calls out as they all cross the street headed toward me and Pablo. But he shakes my hand anyway. 
Egray's Starfleet of the mothership. It's a rocket to Mars, but it ain't no trip, he says, as cool as a midnight breeze. He steps away, glaring at the nine flavors as they start surrounding us. You better get away from her, Pablo Jupiter. We know you were asking her about our moves, Coconut Colette says. We already won nine flavors, he says, while walking backward to Daddy's shop. Genesis 10 ain't clucking with no hands. We're the Roosters, Stormtroopers, brand name boosters, b-ball hoops, or slam dunk in your face. I'll see you in outer space, Ebony Grace. The nine flavors break out into a bunch of ooh. You like PJ, Monique asks. They all start yelling with their gibberish at the same time. I hold up my fists and send out protective laser beams. Pew, pew. But Bianca grabs one of my arms and flings it down. She only stares at me while Monique blurts out. You better stay away from Pablo Jupiter. That's Bianca's man. And plus, he's the enemy. You're on our team, ice cream sandwich. Bianca and I just stare at each other for a long whole minute before she says, I thought you were going to help me. And I thought you were going to help me, I say to her face. I've been helping you. You just can't see it, she yells. All her friends yell, mm-hmm, and you know it, and get that right, and tell her, Bianca. I stand back to take a good look at this Nine Flavors crew. For a moment, I start to see them as a real crew. There's a captain, all right, and it's mint chip, mint chocolate chip Monique. Then I realize that Butter Pecan Bianca has been her first officer all along. Mango Megan and Strawberry Stacy are untangling the telephone cord. Rum Raisin Rhonda and Coconut Colette are showing Pistachio Paula how to do something with her hands. Robot dance moves or something. Cookies and Cream Christine is helping Vanilla Fudge Vanessa tie her sneaker laces. Maybe they're working together like a real crew. And then in the distance, in front of the auto shop, something catches my eye. A line of people has disappeared. And Daddy is crouched down now behind a street lamp with a screwdriver in hand. A group of other men stand and crouch down behind him as if they're about to somehow take down the tall street lamp with just a screwdriver. All the nine flavors turn around to see what I'm staring at. Oh yeah, Monique blurts out. Your daddy is about to hook up the sound system. The sound system? I whisper to myself. Then Rome Raisin Rhonda steps in front of her and yells, Hey, Mr. G.J. Jewel Thief, make sure you pump up the bass nice and loud. Pump up the bass nice and loud, I repeat real quietly. Daddy looks over at us and gives a thumbs up. D.J. Jewel Thief, I ask? Uh-huh, Monique says. Don't you know your daddy's other name? I can only shake my head. I can't even close my mouth right to make any words come out. Bianca adds, he's not a famous DJ like Cool Herc or Grandmaster Flash or Africa Bombada, but he got all the equipment plus a lot of records, so he does our block parties. See, you don't know nothing, Ebony Grace. The nine flavors step away from me as I stand there, watching Daddy and his friends open the bottom of the street lamp, revealing a tangle of colorful wires. Other men are bringing in tables and boxes that look like the control boards on the Uhura. Daddy tells the men where to put things as he pulls out a bunch of wires. Blue, red, yellow, green wires. Someone hands him pliers. The men put more control board machines on the table. And another man unravels the long black wires from those machines and hands them over to Daddy, who starts disconnecting and reconnecting wires like Han Solo. When he tried to hotwire the door to the, hotwire the, door to the end door shield generator bunker, Daddy connects a red wire to a black one, and suddenly a few sparks fly, and then the speakers behind me start to hum and pop. Behind me, I hear the flavors cheering, Oh yeah, DJ Jewel Thief on the wheels of steel. Then something washes over me like storm winds.
and my head starts to spin like granddaddy's records on a turntable. I close my eyes and I take a deep breath so I'm not knocked off my feet by what I'm seeing and hearing. Then all I can manage to say out loud is, it's the sonic king.